0: Inking, writing, laughing, crying, sketching, drawing. Then more crying,
1: trying, crying, feeling it out.
0: I just saw him look kind of frustrated. Well, the whole thing was, yeah, Yeah, I didn't watch the whole... I, I just heard Sekiro 1, and I saw the Ghost of Tsushima trailer, and as a big fucking samurai weeb,
1: I'm so stoked! I
0: love samurai. Yeah, so samurais. let's talk
1: about that. Have you ever been to Japan? Yeah. Well, how was that? When? It was
0: uh, back in high school, freshman year, and... I was a piece of shit when I was in high school and did not appreciate travel. And it's one of those things where even looking back on it, I was like, why didn't I, I, I had a good time and refused to let myself enjoy it. And looking back, I'm like, I did so many cool things, but fuck me. Cause I didn't do anything. What'd you do? Past it. I, so it was part of a a school organized thing. Um, my whole Japanese class went with another or like our sister schools, Japanese class or something. I can't remember. And, during the week we lived in a dorm and we like kind of had Japanese class and then also we just went around Japan and ate at restaurants and like did karaoke and like did a bunch of stuff like that. That's awesome. Sightseeing, like shopping you days. were there. For a week? How long? I was there for three weeks.
1: God damn, three yeah. weeks?
0: Yeah. So do you speak Japanese? I used to. I can only Oh, here's my weeb coming out. Shoto <laughs> <laughs> Nihongo de Hanashimasu. I used to be able to speak a little. Okay. Now I speak barely any. Okay. There's still, I can register a lot of things. Like sometimes if I'm watching anime, I'll be like, that's not what the subtitle <laughs> says, but okay, I'll let that one slide.
1: That's something that yeah, when we're watching, when Derek and I are watching animes, and they'll use like a clearly Western like idiom, I always wonder what was the original like uh, turn of phrase. Oh that yeah, they used. it
0: probably is not. It doesn't match up. Yeah, no, like yeah. There, there's one thing. Not to make this the anime podcast, <laughs> but there is one cultural thing that whenever people sit down for a meal, they see itadakimasu, which is essentially like thanking everyone for being a part of the meal. That's and it's, nice. it's almost like a prayer, but not always religious. It's just kind the of a secular cultural thing prayer. Now. Yeah. yeah. And I've watched anime say, I love food or <laughs> who's ready to eat or bon appetit. And I'm like, kind of, but you can't really translate that. Except nowadays yeah, you just did. That's true. Well, because I was going to say nowadays that anime has become more of a a general convention. I've seen animes literally say thanks for the food, which is pretty much what it means. And I'm like, I'll take that. Okay. Because I'm not confused by that. I don't know why they were masking it from me. Why why rice balls were called donuts in Pokemon. I don't get
1: that (laughs) because that fucked me up. (laughs) Because there you are expecting these sweet, delicious rice balls, yeah, and they're just rice balls. (laughs) Yeah, and I was
0: like, those powdered donuts have a weird black square on them. I didn't
1: know it was fucking seaweed. Yeah, it's funny. It's the same thing in, like, um, Pokemon Stadium. I think they portrayed, like, uh, some things as, oh, these are delicious. These are the sweetest confections we have, and you try them in real life, and yeah. You're like, no. Welcome to Feeling It Out with uh, Kyle and Connor. I'm Kyle. I'm Connor. I am a writer and a podcaster and um, I'm a little drunk.
0: And I am an illustrator and I make comics and I'm always
1: drunk. This is great. <laughs> Maybe this will be a normal thing that it's like the last episode of every month will be one where we're a little bit buzzed and we're it's a little less structured. But um, I,
0: I definitely endorse that sort of thing. Yeah, anything
1: so. to get some booze in us. But and that, uh, that
0: really, I think that that helps get the feelings out.
1: I think so. Yeah. yeah. So uh, today we're talking about downtime and specifically how you avoid some of the just like anxiety and the feelings and maybe even the depression that comes in during downtime whatever that means to you so i guess we'll start off with what does downtime mean to each of us do you yeah. want to go first
0: sure yeah because this is something i think of a lot uh, i experience a lot of grief and guilt over downtime i
1: um well I, oh, before we get into each of our definitions why don't we like just let me let me umbrella so like any time that you're expected to be doing something but there isn't anything to do that's how we're defining downtime.
0: Right. Or because I also have another definition oh, of, please. which I, which I will say that should be the focus. But for me, since I'm heavily related back to my art for me, downtime is often, um, for example, on my comic spell slinger, <laughs> sure to come out any day. Now, <laughs> I, I worked tirelessly on it for like almost three months And yet I also almost beat Sekiro. (laughs) Hopefully by the time this airs, I'll have beaten it. I beat Pokemon. I did all this stuff. I was still in my committed relationship. And we did VR, Kyle and I and our friends and like all this stuff. So it's not like I was sitting there like, got to keep the hustle. I also have a day job. So it's not like I was working on this like 100%. But Originally, I had more time to work on it, and I would have these days where, after I was done uh, on my my clocked in schedule, I would say, "Okay, I, I, it's like three o'clock after lunch. I'm gonna or two, whatever," and I would <laughs> I'm gonna start drawing, and I'm not gonna stop until like seven. Okay, some very few days that would happen. But some days, I just feel like shit, or I'm tired, or maybe lunch takes way longer, or I have to run errands. Yeah. And then by the time I get back, I'm like, I don't want to draw from like five to 10, and then wake up and do all the shit again. And I'm just, in general, I'm not feeling it. And so I would, sometimes I'd force myself to do the thing. Yeah. And I wouldn't feel great, but I'd do it. And then other days... I wouldn't do the thing and I'd take a break and then I'd feel guilty because the whole time I'd be thinking I I could be drawing, I should be drawing this, this comic's never going to be done because I'm not working on it. And yet it's so easy to get burned out creatively. And I don't think people talk about that enough because the amount of times where I've almost put a project down is crazy. Yes. And I think that, Linking back to our last episode is part of the process, yes. but, but but I think downtime is invaluable. It's hard not to get sucked into that, but it's important to recognize areas where you put something down and don't pick it up for a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's this balance of like what what I call laziness and productivity. When both of those were like the idea that. Uh, Let's tie it back into our process then. Yeah, the downtime of like, I could be playing video games. I could be, I could play six rounds of Heroes of the Storm and then it'll be dinner time. And that's my weekend. Yeah. And that's what I did this weekend. And it's so easy to tell yourself, well, this is like self care. Writing and stuff, like I've explained in previous episodes, is really emotional for me and really like kind of exhausting. But it's worth it in the end if, if, it results in a piece of shit that I'm happy to look at. right? And a lot of the times it's easy to, during like, I know that I'll have so many hours next weekend or heck, Christmas break is coming up when this is being recorded. Uh, the holiday season is coming up. I'm going to have so much quote unquote downtime. And I can tell you right now that I'm going to have some video games that I want to play. Oh, hell yeah. But at the same time, I also have some writing that I know I would enjoy if I did, but for me, it's it's like I forget that I enjoy it, and I get this this feeling in my head of like I'm afraid to even like open up my computer mm. and and even like like start doing that. I get into the zone where the the uh, self care is becoming a, a, a hindrance. Like I used to think that I I what what is it. I'm not a, I don't have an addictive personality. I don't play video games for nine hours because I'm addicted to it. I play video games for nine hours because I'm terrified of stopping. Because when I stop, I'm me again. Right. And I'm alone with my thoughts and I remember that I should be writing.
0: It's a lot of it's avoidance. hmm
1: And so, like, the downtime and the fallacy of of productivity, like... Why don't we just break down the word? Like, productivity. That means that you are improving blank so that a product is produced. Right. And that could mean like you're improving your your art or I'm improving my writing so that uh, when we're done, this product is done. And as we expressed in the last episode about the process, is that without you really knowing it, you going for a walk isn't laziness. That's not you wasting this precious time. Yeah, That's you bringing like other I don't know I don't know it feels it's it's well okay here's a here's a good analogy sure so we're let's say let's say
0: Kyle and I are gonna go uh to Vegas because I want to lose all my money so we hop in a car my car because I know how this works gas wise and we're like let's drive to Vegas okay we're not gonna make it to Vegas on it actually does we'll talk later (laughs) but driving to Vegas on my tank even if full is not going to get us all the way there. So my question to everybody is arguably the productivity of us on this road trip is us driving. That is literally the way to get from the start to the finish. Yeah. If we take a break from that driving, it's very easy. I'm guilty of this to look at it as saying, we're not this moving isn't, forward. Yes. Right now. This isn't helping our progress. Yeah but you literally need to refuel. Sometimes a tire pops. Sometimes you get hungry. Sometimes you get sleepy. Yeah, and it's important to sleep and not drive while you're falling asleep. Anyone
1: could tell you this. Oh my god, I love that so much because Thank you. as like you feel the compulsion to be always moving forward and with that it breaks it down so easily that the goal, quote unquote, is to get to Vegas. Right. And, and what I would
0: say about that is something that I'm still struggling with, but at least I'm coming to terms with better, is that my, my policy for, for working on anything art-wise is just, if you want to get it done, just do a little bit a day. I, I'd say with Spellslinger. You can't skip a day. You can't skip a day. Yeah. Sometimes I would. but But the point isn't trick guys the point isn't actually to draw every day the point is to set that goal so that at the very worst you're trying at the very worst you're trying and I would set up this goal of for example when I was inking I'd say you need to ink one page a day because realistically it only takes me I don't want to ruin every comic artist's life by saying how long long it actually takes me but I would it's not hard to ink one page a day and in total I had 37 pages okay
1: so it's a little over a month.
0: A little over a month. Now, on some days, I'd ink five pages. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But as long as I inked one, that was the point. Now, here's where the trying oh, comes in. Thank you. Here's where the trying comes in, is that some days, I'd sit down, I'd ink one panel and go, I just fucking can't. I can't do it. And I'd set it down. But guess
1: what, guys? I still do did something? Yeah, you inked one panel. I inked one panel. Even, like, and for the writing perspective, even if it's just like putting page numbers on your unfinished script, or writing just just one piece of dialogue, yeah. just one. It doesn't have to be a whole page. It doesn't have to be a whole act. Just one thing. One thing. Because it's something that I feel with my brain. It's something that, like, when I go. Two, three days, maybe a whole week without writing, my brain starts getting all like fucking. It changes shape. Yes, it starts to be. It starts to be okay with like, oh, I guess you're not writing. I guess you're not a writer. I guess you're a gamer now. I guess this is what you do. And when I write for a few days in a row, I I feel like a different person, man. I feel like I have the confidence when I go to other people that it's like. Oh, I'm talking with you, and I have this secret, this secret thing that I'm working on yeah. that's making me feel special yeah. out in the world. And like maybe when it's done, I won't feel it won't be a secret anymore. But but even so, and yeah. I no. feel like I lost my train of thought, but that's kind of the fun of these episodes. It is no, that we're it is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I, I will say that um I so it's funny because I also feel my brain contort, but I would say that the difference between us is that sometimes I am like, maybe I'm just not drawing. But there's always a point, I feel like my cutoff's like six days, where I start getting really fucking antsy about drawing. You I'm like, I have to. I have to. It starts getting me really mad. There's yeah. times, and understand this, everyone out there who knows me, understand there are times where I'm like, whatever I'm doing, I'm like, I just fucking can't be bothered. I'd rather draw. I've canceled plans. I've stopped video games. I'm like, I just, even if it's just for like three, like I, I remember once that I was supposed to hang out with some friends and I like ate lunch and I showered whatever, I was ready to go. And then I was like, I'm just gonna like draw for a second cause it's been a bit. And then I really started getting into this picture and I was fucking loving it. And fortunately it was my friend who's the composer and I'm like, I'm gonna be late because I'm doing a thing. He's like, do the thing. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. But like, there have been times where I'm just like, Hey, I can't hang out today. Yeah. And because you can't. I have to work. Yeah, you and can't you,
1: not You can't do not
0: it. do it. But it's we yeah, the brain contorted and I feel that where I just feel so different.
1: Well, I I know what you mean about how you just can't not do it. That Batman script that mm-hmm. was 36 pages that I, I've mentioned before, I wrote during office hours at my last job. You're badass. And it's because it was during downtime. It was during this time at work when I had nothing to do. There was nothing to do. And I, thankfully, that, that workplace was really great, and that they kind of encouraged me. They were like, "Yeah, during downtime, do what you do." And so I wrote, and that was like the first time. Like I said, that's the thing I'm most like proud of, and the longest thing that I've written. And it was, it, it started from a place of, "Oh my god, I have to make something." I was unemployed for five months um, before I got that job, and during that time. I had what I won't call a nervous breakdown, but I made puppets. I made a puppet show. And you can find this on YouTube. You can go to puppet videos. Get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And I made, oh, about, yes. oh yeah, I made about five or six of these where I went to Michael's because I, w- I had to make something. And I was wow. I was going out of my mind. <laughs> yes. That's so cool, though. Thank you. So I went to Michael's, and I got um, popsicle sticks and uh like little puppet shaped things, and I came home, and you know what I did? I drew Green Lantern on one of those popsicle people, yeah. and I stuck that to a thing, and then I drew a police officer and I drew a, another like random person, and i like I was so eager to get a finished product done that I just improvised it that I set up my little tripod in front of like uh I asked Derek to draw me a background, and uh I made it like like I said, you can see it on YouTube. <laughs> where i improvise a little uh, green lantern nonsense that's fucking sweet though and then i drew superman and the flash and i did a little thing with that too and um yeah it just came from a place of i can't keep this in my head anymore i can't not make something that i want to watch because like another youtube channel of mine has the skits that i did with my high school friends they're still there from, from high school, I made seven skits with my group, and we were called uh, They, T-H-E-Y. And it was an acronym, but we didn't know what it stood for. It was just They Presents.
0: Oh, God damn.
1: <laughs> and uh, we made these sketches, and I still go back sometimes and watch them. That's and I'm cool. like <laughs> I was a fucking genius.
0: Isn't that a great feeling, though?
1: It is. Yeah. Like I found this uh, comic script that I forgot I had written a long time ago about uh, Lex Luthor making his own watchtower. So, so you know, the Justice League has their own watchtower. I I had the script where uh, Lex Luthor tried protecting the Earth from a meteor shower, but the fucking Justice League came in and saved him at the last second. And uh, Mercy Graves, assistant, is like, man, it'd be nice if you had your own watchtower. And he gets that glint in his eye, (sighs) and he makes his own watchtower. And the Justice League can't do anything about it because the public supports it and, like, voted it into action. Oh, shit. And now they have to coexist with this, like, Lex Tower that's taking their, like, business. Like, suddenly the – The superheroes
0: are kind of the the assholes anyway. They're redundant. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and so that was a story that like, I didn't realize how much I had written, but I went back to it and I was like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> I found a way to work in cyborg and the Martian Manhunter and Batman even gets a little quiff in there. Ugh. It is, it is. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, No, just, uh, I don't remember what I was tying this back to. Oh, uh, just that I can't not do, do it sometimes. Thing. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes that's. I remember I was uh, crying to a friend of mine and uh, I was talking about uh, Harmontown. Are you familiar? The podcast? I'm
0: familiar. I think we've talked about it the yeah. most. I knew about it before, but you're the only person I know with true experience with
1: it. <laughs> so Dan Harmon obviously is a producer, writer, director, person in uh, Hollywood and um, Rick and Morty. And, yeah. Uh, 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 what was uh, it? Uh, Harmon Quest. And Harmon Quest. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So this podcast was basically where he would talk openly about what he was going through. And one of these episodes, he was talking about his friend, Rob Schraub, who's actually a comic book artist who did oh. Scud.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. You know Scud. Yeah. Oh, Awesome. Yeah. Not, not intimately, but I, I, I could let just you just knowing the comic. Oh, I can really? lend it to you. Oh, yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah
1: awesome. So he was talking about – Rob Schraub, the creator, was talking about how depressed he was and how angry he was and how he was just getting to a point where he can't take it anymore. And one of the other people on the panel said, like, that's okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. Like, whatever you make, we're going to love it. And Dan was like, no. I want to see you pop. I want to see you push yourself all the way into the corner until you can't do it anymore and you explode. And I want to see what color that explosion is. And I Ooh. want to see what you do when you can't take it anymore. That's good wording. That actually oh, no, no, no. Go ahead.
0: So I was going to say that's actually where um uh one of my ideas came from was that I actually two of my ideas came from that desperation of not having anything to work on for so long that it it pops and we like a volcano. Yeah. And we've talked about I think we've talked about how I have um I had this webcomic that I ran inconsistently for maybe two years. It was the choose and adventure. We did talk about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So if anyone wants to see it, it's still on Tumblr. It's called Legend of Dremmers, D-R-E-M-M-E-R-S. We'll put that in the description for this. Yeah. It 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 was one of those things where I can easily see people being like, what the fuck? But it was so fun to do. And it it came from At a time when I didn't have products I was working on, and nothing was going on, and my friend had asked me to draw up some sample pages for a pitch for a comic. Okay, the comic didn't go anywhere, but during that like two weeks of me working on the pages, I was I that that was one of the moments when I really realized like yes, comics is what I want to be doing because I would. I was also working two day jobs. So I would open one place, close the other, go home. I would draw until like four in the morning, take a nap, essentially. I would do this like four times a week for two weeks. And I was so loving it because I was drawing. Yeah. And it sounds awful. It was fucking miserable. And that being said, that should not be an aspiration. That was a low point. But just to prove that, like I was so creatively pent up that any excuse to make a comic, I was like, I I can't fucking do this and so I did that and then soon after that I started working on drummers and that exploded in my own world I have like four notebooks about it I have fairy tales set in this world I literally made two languages I shit you not it just keeps coming you can't stop it I couldn't stop it for like two and a half years and it still comes up every once in a while um, because it's something else I worked on with Brian cool and Every once in a while, we'll we'll go back to it, or we'll talk about it again, and it just like kept fucking popping. But that that came from me being at a place where I was also really depressed and like all the stuff, and it it just built up. And the second someone was like, "Hey, can you write a story?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, yes, 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 I can." Oh my hear all the characters. Whoa. Yes. It,
1: yeah. yeah, you're so right. That was the point when I was composing uh, back in like uh, the summer between high school and college. Uh, I had this one friend that I would go out to and I would go, what should I write a song about? Give me a song about. And he would go, oh, write about the greatest gift you could get on Christmas. And so I wrote a song called The Greatest Gift. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, OK, write a song proving Steve Odekirk is the walrus. And so I ran with that. And now there's a song called Steve Odekirk is the walrus. OK. Uh, that I think I sent to him at some point. I, do you, you know Steve Odekirk? Yeah, I think I sent that to Steve O'Derkirk and he never responded. But well, yeah. fuck
0: him. But that's uh, I mean, I think I did. I that. guess if that falls into the. But anyway, yeah. I'm really I respect the fact that you sent it.
1: So so um that 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 inspiration that comes from so many like days, weeks, months of downtime, whether that's self inflicted or just like you're working two jobs, man. Yeah, at the time it was totally. I mean, you were working two jobs. It's totally acceptable to want to sleep when you're done with those or eat. Yeah, so it's, it's and that being said, it's something that
0: I think that no one should be in that position where they're that forced to pop, as we've been calling it, but I will say, going back to- Have we been
1: calling it pop? What do you mean?
0: Well, remember you were saying how Harmon was like, I want to see you pop. Oh, yes, yes, yes.
1: Like, burst, explode. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: and so I don't think it's always best to get pushed to that point, but I don't, I think there's a benefit to that almost, and- it sometimes brings out these stories that you didn't realize you, you need to tell. Yeah. And, and you could, I feel like it's pretty clear a year after if that was really the one, or if it was just to get the idea out. But I found more often than not, that idea came from that desperation. And again, not everyone should be pushed to that point, but the reason why downtime can be so important is because if you take like a week off, this happened with Spellslinger, right? Take a couple days off. And then I, I would be driving to work. And I'm like, what am I doing? I've got a story sitting at home that's almost done. Holy shit, I love it. And I would like, the second I got home, I'd be like, dinner can wait. I need to fucking do this. And I'd just be drawing all night. And those those highs don't always last. But that that still, balance is always key. But that's still a good thing that can come from an important thing that's downtime.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. Is there a story that you feel like you're not writing for whatever reason that like you're avoiding and that you're like, well, I want to work on this on this. But what I I, I feel like I, I know I should be writing this, but I'm terrified and I'm afraid and I'm going to avoid that.
0: Um, Reverb was kind of that for a while. So okay. Reverb to the audience is, is a comic that I wrote uh, back in my freshman year of college and I picked it up a couple years ago and I've been futzing with it and it reached a pretty good spot. I've uh, it actually almost turned into an animation at some point, not like officially, but I I was getting the pitches ready. I was working on the pilot. I had voice actors, oh like God. all of this shit. Yeah, and it fell apart because it was so much pressure and there was so much work. I was essentially not even full animating. I was essentially producing doing too. Uh, yeah, and I was essentially doing an animatic. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, Yeah, that's way
1: different from still images.
0: Yes. So for those who aren't aware, an animatic is essentially in between a storyboard, which as most people know is the pictures describing events in a scene, and the actual scene itself.
1: It's like stringing them together in kind of a motion comic.
0: Yes. So essentially making a motion comic, and I had all the stuff planned out, and it was so much pressure that I collapsed. And I was like, "I, I can't work on this. I just can't. And that's part of why I'm doing Spellslinger now is because I I could not write reverb and I think I'm finally ready, Okay, which is also a nice thing. But that downtime between that, that complete explosion of pressure and now was so crucial because not only have I, and I've now used Spellslinger as a way to understand comic preparation more. Fun fact, guys, I am such a fool. I didn't think about the comic size of the page I should do, and I was storyboarding 9 by 12 pages. Sorry for everybody. Those are big. Not, yeah. Sorry for everyone who's not a comic fan. I was storyboarding 9 by 12 pages to shrink to something more readable, huh. and then I realized that A4 is what, like 8 by 10? Okay. I think. And that, See, this is fascinating. The minutiae of oh, paper yeah. size and, and, and stuff. Yes, and this is stuff that – I didn't think about when I was making comics. I'm like, the important thing is to draw it. No, you also need to know how big it's going to be. And the is the- between the panels and yes. stuff like that. And, and if there's free floating images and all this stuff I never thought of now that I've done 37 pages of that, I'm like, Oh man, reverb is going to be easy. Cause that came to me. This I worked for. Right. And that if I didn't have a break between those two, then I, I don't think I would have, I, um, I, I just got burnt out.
1: Yeah, so for you reverb was that story that you felt like you were afraid to be writing or telling or whatever. Oh yeah.
0: God. Wait, what, so, ab- what about you though? Uh,
1: I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I have an idea of what it is, but it's it's I I think it's I think it's just an autobiography. Oh, you know? okay, cool. I think it's just my life and I don't think I'm old enough really to look back on my life with the right lens. Like when I first got to college, I, I remember thinking, like, oh, wow, I get my parents a little bit more. I'm older now than I was. And, uh, yeah, I get them. And every day I feel like I get them a little bit more. And so, like, it feels like the story of, like like I've said before, like, I just want to be understood. Yeah. I don't think I understand me yet, you know? Yeah. And that's okay. It's totally fine. There's uh, so much to
0: understand about yourself.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what story I want to tell, but like it, it's interesting because I feel humbled by you and your, uh, surety, your confidence, but also your legitimate practice. Like you put in the time and effort. I feel very new, very, uh, uh, and, and I feel like it comes with like, like if you teach yourself guitar, you're probably going to skip scales and you're going to go straight to chords and you're going to start playing stuff that like, Oh, you want to hear you look tabs up and now you're playing those. You're not really concerned about like, Oh, what is a jazz scale? What is minor scale versus major scale? And with writing, I'm doing the same thing is like, if I were to take a writing course, there might be some basics that i just skipped over and would at this point think are beneath me like oh i'm i'm already at this level and i'm doing like macro structure rather than micro like uh how you write exterior interior like things at the top and so i wonder for like your perspective when you started doing art were you self-taught or did you kind of have to go because you went to school too? Did they have to yeah. like undo some of the things that you taught yourself? Oh, 100%. percent. I'm afraid of taking writing classes for that reason.
0: It's. I think there's a benefit to classes um, of all artistic kinds. I think that visual arts have a. Here's the way I'll phrase it: it one of the most important things. I mean, it's in, your perspective. True. Well, I would argue one of the most important things in any creative endeavor is to understand the rules because once you know the rules, you can break them. A perfect example is Proportion. We'll pick a, The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. Everyone who's never played that, go look it up. Such a great game. It's amazing game, but Link looks like a little twig person <laughs> with a big head and...
1: Everyone was so upset when that design oh, I, was shown.
0: I was, and it, now I revere it. And what's funny, too, is that Link is proportionally sound, except for his hands. His hands and his feet should be half the size of his head. Oh, they're but too big? They're too small. But oh, they're too small. I will say, in terms of length, his arms are, by his proportions, appropriate. His legs are, by his proportions, appropriate. What his makes head, it look wrong? Everything makes sense. It looks weird because it's not... Real human proportions, but by the algorithm, he makes sense. Which is why you don't think it's creepy; you think it's charming and unique. And school taught you that. Yes, that's an example of knowing the rules, you can break them. Whoever designed, whoever was on the design team for Wind Waker, understood anatomy so that they could fuck with it so much and not have it be creepy. Now, I think that revolves around any creative endeavor. However, there are certain times when someone understands a concept f- better than other people, it's just, it's just a fact. Some yeah. people have talent and, and they can just contextually understand how something works and other people need practice. There's areas where I just got something artistically and other ways where I really fucking needed help. Um, but I think writing is my best example of this. I'm not the best writer. I would like to believe I'm good. I think my stuff's funny. I when I was getting the animation for Reverb together, I had an agent who was helping me with it, oh, and wow. I made sure all my stuff was protected. But he was helping me with, and and he even said like, "Yeah, it really shows that you understand conventional story structure." And he's like, "Where did you learn?" And I said, "I've never taken a writing class." And he was like, "Then don't," because oh, wow. you you obviously under. And I'm sorry because this sounds like a shitty brag. Well, I'm only conveying that what he said to me was like, you obviously through, and I knew this, watching TV and my dad having gone through conventional classes, and like we would watch TV, and my dad would say, This is what they're doing oh. because he thought it was interesting. And he wanted to share with me. I just understood basics of writing to a degree in which I could make a basic script with not a lot of issue. I still write shit, I can still write things that are good, but. 80% of the time what I write is at least going to be readable and understandable as having story structure of the reluctant hero or the hero's journey or understanding those themes yeah. or things like that. And he told me that and I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, because I can watch TV and be like, that person's his brother. That person's still like still alive. And like we we all kind of have that to some degree. Well, uh, and,
1: those of us who have cultured that, who have, right. like who can who've watched enough TV shows and enough movies to watch one and know that like, okay, the way they set this up, mm-hmm. they're going to do this, unless they choose to subvert it, but that's a decision. Right. Yeah.
0: And and it's one of those instances where I think that if you if you fuck with uh, perspective and anatomy and you've never been taught it, if people like what you're doing,
1: I think the class is unnecessary. That's, I mean, you made me realize that I think back to my schooling. I have a degree in music composition, and I remember my first professor telling us that, like, all right, we're going to tell you how every song is the same, and it's going to ruin music for you, (laughs) because we're going to break down chord progressions and structure and, uh, you know, like, um, dissonance and consonant resolutions, and now everything will just seem like, oh yeah, obviously that's how it had to fit. It's like fucking math. Like you do this, then I have to do this. Yeah, And it's only until you get to, you know, the last year of college where they're like, and here's all the people that learned what you learned and said, fuck it, and just did what they wanted to anyway. Yes.
0: (laughs) And that's a great example of knowing the rules to break them. But there's, I think there's something to, if it's something you're struggling with, like I have problems with coloring. So I've researched The basics of coloring, color theory. I watch other artists do digital painting because I need to practice that. Sure. Compositionally, I've been told by people that my my panel layout, my composition is above average. So I haven't bothered with knowing how that works because I innately figured it out.
1: But you're creating that curriculum for yourself. It's yes. not some external source saying this is the tools you need to be successful at what you want to do. No. You are recognizing what you need to fix and you're seeking that out during your downtime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which
1: we which I ran away from for
0: a bit but man is it important master cuz it, it that actually is another thing how are we doing on? Now nah, we're wrapping up. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh my last thing to say to everybody is that if you're worried about doing downtime and not being productive let's say you're working on a comic and you're having trouble with backgrounds go make lunch eat some food and then look up Background tutorials on YouTube. Watch a video. Technically, you're not doing the work. You're learning, but it's
1: not waste of time. But it's
0: not a waste. Of, and then you can you can. That's justification. I think taking a break from it entirely is good. But that's something I've done many times.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I guess the thing that I'll end with is um, uh, Alan Watts is a philosopher that is no longer with us that I truly admire, and uh, he has this thought on the fallacy of improvement. That if one is seeking to improve oneself they are the one who needs improving so logically it does not follow that they can do the improving because they themselves need to be improved oh okay yeah so to think that you in a vacuum during your downtime will just magically unlock the potential the potential yeah you need to expose yourself to those youtube videos to those external sources that like like Connor's done with your curriculum, you need to make that because the that's the fallacy of improvement is that if you were just in a cave alone, I guess you'd get better at pushups maybe, but but, but not uh, much, not no, much. Because you are the one that needs improvement. So how can you be improving? It's about finding collaborators or mentors or things like that to get you out of what you may or may not perceive as downtime. Because yeah. I guess the the takeaway is that downtime is a positive thing right? It is. Yeah. It definitely is. It's not a negative thing. It's this uh, opportunity for you to take your, uh, direction and manifest it.
0: Yeah. And and just like everything else, downtime, we're getting so preachy. (laughs) We are. I believe that downtime is is different for everybody. Like everything. Find what works for you. I found what works for me. And I'm still working on it. Yes, and, and that sucks. And but I'm that's, finding what works for
1: me too. Yeah. yeah. And that's
0: just the fucking name of the game is just trying shit out till it works. Yeah. Yeah. So this was fun. Yep. Yep. Sorry see you next getting, month. Sorry got preachy there. See <laughs> no worries. see you no later, guys. Problem. Bye. Bye.
1: Feeling it out.